Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, providing podcasts and blogs. Hire us to produce your podcast by going to SpannersReady.com forward slash hire us. Joining me in the podcasting shed. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodle-lally, oodle-lally, golly, what a day. It's Matt to Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? All right, man. Long time no see. Good to see you, Spanners. Yeah, it's been literally 15 minutes since we recorded a show together. God, has it been that long? Seems like ages. Huh? I hope you don't mind me bringing in the uh, Oodle Alley music into this environment. I feel you deserved it this week. Uh, well, that's okay. I'm not sure what I did, but I'll take it. Just take the credit. Do you know what, Matt? Apparently, according to some people on Reddit and Twitter, we have been accused of being too pro-Hamilton. Yeah, uh, well, I, too pro-reality, perhaps, but yes. I get that. See, now, I, I find it hard to judge you too harshly. See, I, I, there's no kind of ethos of we're too pro-Hamilton, but you and me are on it the most often, and we happen to be Lewis Hamilton fans. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to make arguments that don't seem realistic, you know, and, and certain incidents seem less or more realistic than others. And if you're a fan or a hater... Because boo to them. Those no, well, they're Venn diagrams that don't necessarily entirely overlap. But if you hate Hamilton, you might have an argument mm. that has some sort of that you could technically make, but doesn't really resonate in reality very much. It's just like it's just a thing. It's going to happen from time to time. But you you can't you can't deny that like we will have our biases that will creep in as Lewis Hamilton fans as well, won't we? Everybody has biases. The whole idea that you would be unbiased about anything is is perhaps the most unrealistic of all. But I, I am very open with it. So at least people can make a judgment. Oh, Spanner says he's a 
he's a Hamilton fan, so we can we can temper any enthusiasm or wild rantings against that. But we do have people on here who don't like Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I think he's a great racer. I just don't like his attitude. Yeah, we've got lots of people like that as well. And if you could see our WhatsApp group that has about 12 contributors, believe me, when any time Rosberg and Hamilton clash, there are big arguments. So when people come on, if they want to be anti-Hamilton, they're free to. There's no team orders here. Tell you what, every decision, they go against Hamilton. So if you hate Hamilton, maybe listen to what else can we bring you that you can't get elsewhere? Uh, we aim to give you a podcast before your Monday morning commute. We have failed this week because I was at Battersea all week and we will fail next week because I've got to do a stupid family thing and I don't even get to watch the British Grand Prix till Monday. I think I might take the day off work. We are giving you a podcast that is safe for work so you can play it at work or with kids in the background without worrying. That's some of the housekeeping out of the way. We've got a few really good guests this week. You normally say something like, oh, yes, let's bring them on. Yes, let's bring them on. Thank you very much. Uh, first <laughs> off, a person who I have now touched and seen in real life. It's Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. Teeny tiny little Chris. How is it? How is it, Chris? How was it meeting me yesterday? Oh, oh, you know, I'm so amazed that you've used that introduction for me, given the conversation we had about 10 minutes ago. Because now that I have actually met you in person, I found out that you are, in fact, teeny tiny. But I can buy alcohol in shops by myself. Yes, so can I. Next up, Ryan <laughs> Ferret Ferris, who joined me on a little mini pub crawl around Victoria yesterday. How's it going, Ryan? Yeah, it's going great. Yeah, uh, now um, I think the headache's gone from uh, the beer that we consumed yesterday. And sitting in the sun as well, baking hot, lots of beer, pizza. What could go wrong? Work was savage today. Yeah, um, uh, luckily I've got half day today, so I've got to miss out some work so I could have a lying. Rub it in, why don't you? And joining me in the actual podcasting shed, a live in-studio producer, Tony Thunderbeast Barnard. How's it going, T? All right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, so you're here. So obviously you can't... Um, are you struggling with the chat room because you can't type because people will hear it? Yeah, it's it's pretty loud and savage. So I'm going to do the chat room. I'm going to... I don't really interact with them that much anyway. I just steal all their ideas for my own and try my best to sound like I know what I'm talking about. So... <laughs> what do you think I do? So it might be the odd click as I copy and paste, but it's yeah. just the setup we've got, isn't it? And just sort of clunk around. And also, if you hear, it's very hot in here. So if you hear the sound of a charging thunder beast, that's Tony gasping for air. Why don't we talk about some racing cars, though? There was quite a bit happened before the lights went out. Matt Trumpets. It's all about curbs. Those curbs that leapt onto the track to attack poor drivers as they went about their business, Matt. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about these curbs is they were new for Austria. And no sooner do we install them and start running around proper lap times than we see people's suspensions starting to explode when they venture off track, which admittedly is not where they should have been in the first place. Yeah, well, hang on a minute. The first one that went off track was Nico Rosberg. He had quite a big off in the end, and there was no footage of him running on those curbs at all, was there? Well, here's the thing. After after looking at it, uh, Toto Wolf had a had a quote the the following day after after um, qualifying that they they had determined that it was the red curbs they thought that were causing wow. the trouble with the cars. 
Now, we we were speaking to um, Matt Summerfield, who we hope is in the chat room. Has he bothered he to is. Summers is in the house, by the way, trying to work and listen at the same time. <laughs> you shouldn't admit to that. You know, this is, actually, that's showing a bit of disrespect. He thinks that so few people listen, there's no way he'll get busted. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, thanks for getting, in, getting on board and listening in. Cool. So he was uh, saying that perhaps it was the frequency of the, 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 I guess, the noise of the cars running over those curbs was matching the resonant frequency of perhaps the bodywork and suspension causing those failures. Yeah, well, he has a theory that they're using the splitter as sort of a faux mass damper to help, especially with the tires. And that if you look at these curbs, you see they have cuts in them. It's a, it's a drop off. It's a fifty millimeter drop down to these curves, but they have mm. they have uh, cuts in them, and those cuts will actually cause uh, the car to vibrate at a particular frequency. And if the dampers they're using were resonant at that frequency, it would pass that vibration through the entire car and and could be causing this. Um, of course, it was much more spectacular on the Toro Rosso of Danny Kvyat. And I tell you what... Very, very yeah. much so. He yeah. always said the resonance theory was well visible on Kvyat's car. Ooh, right. And because on Kvyat's car, he was going over those big yellow curbs with his left wheel, and it was the right wheel that was shaking itself to death. So it wasn't like from the impact of the curb. It was, you know, the, the, this thing was being shaken to bits. Yeah, there's actually, if you Google it, musical roads, it's actually fun. You can see people driving road cars over grooves mm-hmm, like this, th- mm-hmm. and they play actual songs. If, and <laughs> and that's, really what, that's really what it's about. But it's also, if you look at the red and white curbs versus the red curbs, you also see the cuts are at different, different intervals. Therefore, you're getting two simultaneous vibrations into the car. Yeah. And, and those two combined can actually produce uh musically speaking they actually produce a third tone it's called a difference tone but i think uh martin by on twitter called it an intermodulation something or the other i have to go look it up now i swear i was going to do my homework but i failed miserably my your dog ate your homework yeah it was it was terrible my cat my my daughter my concerts my life whatever it all ate my homework but the fact of the matter is <laughs> the curbs were causing the suspension to disintegrate when they ran over them. Yeah. And people will have the natural question, well, why didn't it happen in the race? Well, it's because the cars are full and they're managing a lot more parameters. They're not nearly as close to the limit yeah, and in the, the race and as they were as, in quality. And they're not as stupid as Sergio Perez suggested when he said, no, the drivers would just ignore you. But I did want to bring up one more thing is because everyone was like, well, you run around Monaco and there's walls and you don't rarely hit them. Yeah. So why not just do the same thing? And Gutierrez made the very interesting point in an interview. He says, well, the problem is with curbs versus walls, walls look very different when you're in a car. Yeah, they're curbs. very wall shaped. Yeah, they, they yeah. are. They're very three dimensional and they're used. They're very used to being able to use the curbs in a certain way. So when you change that, there is a call it a learning curve if you like there's certainly uh, it's going to take a lot of adaptation by the drivers to get used to it yeah so i mean we might be being too harsh then on the organizers of austria because if it was the vibrations that were shaking it and not the fact that it was big huge lumps of yellowness um then they're kind of they're unlucky a little bit you know it's it's not just incompetence what I would have to say to that, though, is that there are much better ways of deterring the drivers Agreed. from going all four wheels. Um, 
of the track. Like, for example, what we had five or six years ago, which was fewer runoffs, more grass, and more gravel. I don't like gravel, Matt. Right, so uh, Summers has saved my bacon. He's come up with intermodulation distortion. That's the word that I was looking for. I can't imagine why I couldn't remember that. But here's the thing, uh, and he mentioned this in a previous chat, that the reason the FIA prefer the runoffs now is because with grass, they can't model the cars when they go off track. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Yeah. And, and so they, they are looking for ways to be able to model the cars when they go off track so they can properly place the barriers, et cetera, and so on. Gravel is a requirement for MotoGP because it slows the, slows the bodies down when they're off of the bikes and sliding. Runoff areas don't do crap for MotoGP. So there's this natural tension depending upon who's using the circuit – what you want beyond the limits of the track. I wonder if technology's at the point where what happens in computer games could happen, where like once you go over the red lines, you just lose revs. So you go over the white lines and your revs drop. Well, what if what if we just do what we tried to do two or three years ago, which is if you go over the white lines, we'll delete your lap time and then just have that set at every single track ever. Well, that only helps in qualifying. That doesn't help you in the race. Yeah, well, okay. So in the race, you do what? Uh, what was it? it was you delete the human. Twenty fourteen. You you get you get a warning, you get a second warning, and then you get a penalty. Yeah, possibly. All right, Matt. We want to get onto the qualifying and race. Tell me quickly about tire pressures. Just you. Just want to hear your voice. Tell me about tire pressures. They were dropped for this race. Well, they were set at nineteen and a half and twenty two, and then they were dropped to eighteen and a half. But the real change was that the pressures were measured on the tires before they were mounted onto the cars, which meant that Mercedes' neat trick of hotting up the brake drums before the tires were mounted would no longer do them any particular good uh, of being able to get the pressures lowered because what they would do is they would run and then the temperatures would actually drop down into the window. So the, the tire pressure would be lower. They get advantage of that traction. So none of the teams could take advantage of any little tricksy bits like that this week. And we did see some teams suffering, as Pirelli predicted, particularly in the first stint. Okay. Is that the end of that segment of you saying stuff about tires? I could stop right there or I could go on for another 90 minutes. Your choice. I know you could. Mm. You and Vortex and Summers are obsessed with tyres. Tony, what's happening in the chat room? Yo, yo, uh, I got one from a little while back. I think he's on about Ryan. Did the dude at the end not pay his electricity bill? (laughs) (laughs) No, but Ryan, I think, Ryan, you're you're quite like a gothy, deep, thoughtful, moody kind of guy. So you turn the lights off because it reflects the blackness in your soul. Yeah, you could say that. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just here, lonely and everything. So you know, you gotta now, do the mood and everything. The mood. You made Ryan cry. Chat room, don't do it again. Anything else, team? Uh, next up, yeah. I uh, don't know who would agree with this, or uh, all hails me. I think the drivers should just learn. All learn to drive on the track. That way, there's no chance of destroying their cars. Staying on the track is advantageous. And one more from Summers F1. The specification of the sausage curbs, red curbs, red and white curbs were all new, all part of the FIA's investigations. Yeah. Alex Wirt suggested that the team should adapt in this instance, especially as the new car designs coming in 2017. What does that mean, anyone? What that means is they should take into account the intermodulation distortion. 
top tip kids. When they design the new cars for uh, next year. Always learn a clever phrase to throw at people that they won't understand. For me, it's photon correlation spectroscopy. Let's go to qualifying. It was an entertaining qualifying for once. It was, Matt. Well, sort of, eventually, the last bit. Yeah, the last bit was very... It, it was It was not... It, it was the usual qualifying, except for, of course, Fiat destroying yeah. his car. Yeah, and it, I feel I owe him an apology, because instantly I'll... Oh, here we go again. What is going on? This guy, he can't keep it together. Get him out of F1 now. And then, obviously, instantly at the replay. Oh, right. Except it wasn't his fault at all. But um, it's amazing, isn't it? When there's an air of negativity around a driver, you're very quick to kind of seize on that sort of thing. Right. No. So the the only thing of interest until we get to Q3 really was Pascal Wehrlein making it into Q2, which was yeah, pretty great. big for the Manor team. Now, they were saying on TV, you know, this is Q2 on merit. Were they? I mean, there was a couple of retirements, but he, he did a real good lap compared to uh, Rio Harianto, who I don't think is as rubbish as everyone's saying. I mean, he's not on Pascal's level, but you could see there was a, a good gap there. He's pulled a blinder. Yeah, well, this is a track he knows particularly well from DTM, and that ah. may have been very much to his advantage. Because the man think, is po- um, gone. Well, there's a, it's only got nine corners on it, and I think there is uh, less opportunity for um, somebody in a manner to be losing time in the corners because of the quality yeah. of the chassis versus some of their competitors, and it just allows the Mercedes engine to to do the work. So they just treat the lap like seven rocket launches and be done with it. They are. They were called the Rocket Manners in Bahrain. So yeah. All right. Cool. Matt, back to you, buddy. Yep. And then, and then the weather came. Then the rain came and changed everything. Yes. And one person who was particularly happy about that would be a certain Jensen Button. <laughs> oh, here we go. No, not the myth of Jensen Button, the rainmaster. Okay, because the last, <laughs> the last two times we've covered this on the podcast, the intermediate changeable conditions have not gone in his favor yes this time it did so roughly 33 percent success rate so far uh well I, it's not like he was on lap 27 and called for slick tires while everybody else was still running rain tires my friend no <laughs> he so just on, put them on yeah. to run out and do a lap yeah. but where did they finish again uh, well fifth fifth classified yeah, fifth which is amazing that, that, yeah. his, that, that his statistical abilities are one thing but his abilities to drive the car in those conditions is quite another and he's pretty good at it i'll be honest i i, I missed some of qualifying is it true that alonso called in halfway through a lap and asked to retire the car because he couldn't be bothered to finish that lap no i <laughs> no but didn't they put the wrong tires on his car for qualifying <laughs> right did did anyone catch what happened with that with the wrong tires out of the young people <laughs> i think they put who is the this old... alonso didn't they put old tires instead of fresh tires on his car in q2 Ooh, i missed that let me check the press release quickly <laughs> all right well we're gonna no, have to go look that one up right on, now uh... didn't you write a qualifying review you are disappointing in every way i was in i was in battersea Oh, yeah. I wrote a I wrote a qualifying Remember? review. Oh yes, of course, Matt. I read your qualifying reviews all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. You nearly swore. Well yeah, done, right? <laughs> but um, I tell you what. Um, so Perez, who's been on fire, he had one of those suspension failures as well, which was devastating. Really, when you look at where Hulkenberg had put it, and arguably, I know you said that Hulkenberg was outpacing Perez in in the practice sessions, but I would still bet my shiny dollar that. 
if there's dollar coins, that Perez would have beaten on any given day, would have beaten Hulkenberg in qualifying, which may have put him right up there. Chris is dying to say something. Yes, confirmation. Um, quote from Alonso. Unfortunately, for some reason, my car was fitted with used option tires from Q1 rather than fresh rubber. Oh, bad news. Bad news. But uh, yeah, so unlucky for Perez. Yeah, it was incredibly unlucky for Perez. He's He's been on fire the last couple of weekends and, and was doing a fairly good job in the rest in the race which we've not yet got to okay so um so the main story then is that hamilton uh manages to come through and set a pole lap as the laps were going round, approaching the checkered flag he's waving at the chat room oh, waving at you I'm oh, right. i've got some stuff for you oh i see you're right next to me you could just wave to me there um the laps were tumbling down so you really felt like the last guy over the line was going to be the pole position and i was messaging people going this is Rosberg's. He's got it. He's got it in the bag. Of course, Button was the last guy over the line, but wasn't Rosberg's second last over the line? Yet he failed to get the pole. Yep, because as is, is, I think has been obvious for, for, for quite some time, these, these conditions tend to favor Hamilton over Rosberg. Fair enough. All right, then let's go to the race. <laughs> Come on, Mouse. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll fill oh. in with a bit of chat. Go on, fill us in with yeah. the chat room All chat. All right, earlier on, uh, MGL ruled MG 5904. Uh, did higher tyre pressures contribute to suspension failures? Some has answered him. Uh, it won't have helped, but this was the first time these curb types have been used in combination. Then you start talking about Jensen. Uh, Summers was like, the legend of Jensen Button, Rainmaster. Oh, God. And then the Carters. If Button is meant to be so good at driving with low grip, why does he always complain so much about their ne- never have any grip? It's just no grip out there, guys. No grip out there. Love it, Cartist. Comment of the week. Early contender. Didn't we interrupt you, Matt? No, we're going on to the race. Yes. I, c- I should have spent that time preparing the button. I'm not good at this. The race review brought to you by Spanners F1 at www.spannersready.com. There's Formula One and stuff on there. Check it out. We have the hippo, the fat hippo. We have Fortis and Carlo writing articles on there. And we have me. I write some stuff on there. I write Spanners Log and I do a betting preview before every race. And you can find Spanners Ready F1 on Facebook. Uh, Matt, strategy. That would be me. As always on strategy, I go over to you. And look, you've put a pretty graphic into the show notes. Yes, well, I, I went and found the secret Pirelli hiding spot for infographics. And I happened to find a handy one of the pit stops. Because I had a feeling we might be needing it before we get to the end of the show. Oh, this is a great graphic. Can you post this on your Twitter feed as well? Uh, I could probably do that. Yes. Okay. So, uh, definitely. Right, but if I do it right now, I'll have to stop paying attention to this for a moment. No, you just remember it's... in the future to do it. So basically the question is, uh, with the strategy, the race was between the two Mercedes guys, mostly, although Verstappen looked a bit handy in the middle. Yeah. Well, if you, if you look at it, uh, originally it was predicted to be uh, a one stop and uh, Hamilton, I think was converted to a two stop. Verstappen stayed one stop, which explains his, his good performance. I mean, granted he did a phenomenal job of making the soft tires last, but if you look at his strategy, he went from the, he went from the supers to the soft tire and ran to the end on that. And that's more or less what they were planning to do with Lewis. But what I think they weren't planning on was for Lewis to be behind Nico after his first pit stop. 
Yeah. And then that made it all rather complicated for the uh, Mercedes people. But they left him out a fair while. Do we do we know why that lead diminished? Chris does. It's uh, well, it's because they were trying to cover off Ferrari, who was starting on the super soft tires. No, oh, you oh, are you you're disagreeing no, with me. I, I'm totally disagreeing with you. Uh, Mercedes had its own plan. Its plan was to run Hamilton on a one stop. You can see on the chart that he changed lap 21 for the soft tire for his fresh soft tire. He had two sets of sauce available, a used and a new. They put him on the new tire. That was going to be his tire to the end of the race, which is exactly Verstappen changed off the Supers at lap 15. And he ran his fresh soft tires to the end of the race. So they were going to do this with Lewis. But what they weren't planning on, what they weren't looking at, and what effed them up considerably was they had decided, I think early on, to put Rosberg on a two-stop strategy. So Lewis being behind Nico at that point, not necessarily a problem until Vettel's tire explodes and out comes the safety car and then it's all not what they had planned to do so they're trying to a come one two and b be fair to the drivers so they convert lewis to a two-stop now they've got rosberg out okay you're going to disagree with me well i i agree with you about you know what happens with with rosberg but i mean ferrari's strategy would have allowed them to go you know twice the distance that Lewis should in theory have been able to go to on those ultrasofts before they pitted because the super soft tires supposedly could do 20 odd laps and the ultrasoft only 10. So weren't they trying to extend that first stint so that they could be on equal rubber and the second stint? Yes, for Vettel, but not for Raikkonen. And this is where they got it hopelessly, hopelessly wrong because they were busy paying attention to Hamilton when they should have been looking at their pit window to the Red Bulls behind them. Because bear in mind that when they switched Raikkonen, Raikkonen came in the lap that followed Hamilton's tire change. That's very true. And it put him behind both Red Bulls, which completely ruined his race. Bingo. And that's what I was talking about when when you were talking about Mercedes covering Ferrari off, maybe with Rosberg. But with Hamilton, they 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 had a target. And I think that target was lap 21 and they brought him in and they put him on the tires. Like as soon as they got Nick out on the soft tires, they're like, okay, there's the pace in the soft tires. We want to put you on those tires and run you as long, run you to the end of the race, basically, which should have worked except for the left rear tire said, I'm not going to cooperate with this plan. (laughs) (laughs) I have another idea. (laughs) Go on, Tony. Oh, yeah. Fortis jumped in. We were talking about uh, Jensen. Uh, good news, Chris Evans has left Top Gear, so there's space there for Jensen to take over next series. And uh, we we were talking about it for a bit in the chat room, and then MG5904 was like, class, pay attention. And I'm just like, well, we are. We're talking about Jensen's career prospects. It's a big deal. And uh, But then, and, and a bit after, Senior Charles was like, I keep getting distracted by Matt's moustache, and I'm wondering if it interferes with the trumpeting. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. You could over-polish the trumpet with that fine tash. It just in one particular area, but no chat room. You are more than encouraged to go off on wild tangents. More than more than often than not, you've saved us with your content, so that's all good. Lots of laughs at the old uh, mustache <laughs> gag there. Uh, There's Vivian, a beard there as well. It's just hidden by his pop shield. Queen V rocking in. Jensen would be great in Top Gear. I think. I think so too. If they keep Joy on, that'll be good as well. Uh, well, uh, because we are featured on Downforce Radio, we're going to say hashtag Jake 
for Top Gear. Jake Sanson as Top Gear presenter. It turns out there was a rumour last time that he was going to be the Top Gear presenter, but it was actually started by his own mother. And that was the source, <laughs> uh, the source of that. So, Matt, do you think that Hamilton had a cause for feeling aggrieved? A, when he first saw Nico Rosberg pop out in front of him, he probably was sitting there going, well, I've got faith. It's it's a two-stop strategy. That's the only reason he would have he would have come out ahead of me. I'm sure he's got the racecraft to say that. Then the safety car comes out. They both pit because that's the sensible thing to do. But that leaves them kind of with his advantage nullified. Now, from Mercedes' point of view, they don't care. They don't really want to swap them. They've got a massive headache because the outroar from Hamilton fans and from Hamilton himself it would feel like Rosberg had just been gifted this race out of nothing, and that would have been fair, but that would have been the better result for Mercedes. So what's going yeah. on in the cockpit for Hamilton? Uh, well, I think from Hamilton's point of view, like, you know, you the first pit stop was really slow. The left rear tire did not come off properly. These mm. things happen. It was they don't happen seconds. often, yeah. but they happen. It's just racing. And he could not have been happy about being behind Nico. But if you look at how close, um, uh, if you look at how close they ran to the pit stop window, he had about a second and a half or two seconds to spare when they brought him in. Yeah. And that bulky wheel ate that, ate it up, just ate it up, and boom! Then he was behind Nico, and that changed the complexion of everything. Yeah. And if, from Mercedes' point of view, I think you're right. It doesn't matter. One of the drivers is in front, one of the drivers is second, and therefore we're getting first and second points right now. And um, but it's worth noting that Hamilton did make a mistake on his outlap as well. He did sort of yeah. slide into turn two. Uh, that was probably nullified by the amount of time he lost, I think four seconds in the pit. Yeah, the the, the, the no, time he the, lost with the wheel, I think, cost him more than, uh, more than, than the, the outlap. Slide. Ryan, yeah. you're the uh, team boss now. Ryan, you're the team boss. You're Toto Wolf. Right. With the accent as well. Uh, what what do you do now in that situation? You've got Nico Rosberg, perhaps not on merit, out in front of Hamilton. What call do you make? The, what they're thinking about, obviously, they don't think about the drivers. They're thinking about what points they want at the end of the race. And obviously what happened later on in the race cost them uh, points for that champ uh, in their championship for the constructors rather than the drivers. And before we go on to what did happen later on in the race, did did Red Bull have a, a chance in this race to do more than they did? Do you reckon, or do you reckon they maximised their result? Um, no, I I have to agree that they got everything they could have. It. I think the ones that really missed an opportunity were probably Ferrari, um, because their car was working pretty well around the circuit, and um, I think if they'd uh, managed to get out. Ahead of the Red Bulls after the pit stop, they could have been uh, looking closer to Mercedes at the end of the race. So I've got a question for you then, since Viv isn't on and she's just in the chat room. If it had been Raikkonen's tyre that exploded and not Vettel's, where would Vettel have finished? Probably would have won the race. Uh, that's a tough one because he had the penalty, so he was in traffic ah, at the start yeah. of the race. Um, I reckon he could have made the podium, though. Uh, arguably, maybe. Um, you say uh, you say that uh, Vettel was in traffic, but so wasn't Rosberg because obviously he had the same penalty, a five place grid penalty. That's true, but um, he was pitting a lot earlier than Vettel planned to 
Did it off the uh, off the top of my head. Um, right, because that'll be so, on the different tires. Exactly. Yeah. So Rosberg had an amazing first part of that stem where he was putting in some really really good laps that just allowed him to make up uh, a lot of time and put him in the position he was uh, well we talk about <laughs> whose fault is this a little section i like to call whose fault is this inspired by my wife who if there was a fire in the house <laughs> she would in- she would insist on establishing blame and not blame for real blame finding a way that it was my fault the house was on fire before we could then rescue the children and animals <laughs> and get out of the house to safety. And and some people are saying, oh, you know, it's a racing incident. You don't need to dissect it. You know, you don't need to. It's just one of these things. No. I want to know whose fault it is. Whose fault is this, Matt? I blame the FIA. Excellent. And Bernie in particular. Because they they brought us to the point where we were literally micromanaging every interaction between drivers. I mean, look, take two people, put them in a championship winning car, put them on the last lap in that position. Things will happen from time to time. I think, look, you could blame Rosberg for it. If you you could blame Hamilton okay, cool. for it, oh. but as far as I'm concerned, like if you take two people and they actually call themselves racing drivers, you're just going to have to accept that from time to time, this is what you get. I have to agree fully with Matt because are, are, we, are we just getting to a point now where you're not allowed to deviate from the racing line when racing somebody? Yeah. Rosbo pushed him wide, but he's fully entitled to squeeze Lewis. Everybody's that Lewis has done it plenty of times in the past, not just to Rosbo, but to many other drivers. And we saw loads of other drivers doing it at that same corner when, in that race. When have we seen Lewis Hamilton go straight on on the entry to a corner to then block a driver to the point where had they not collided, he they would have had to have jumped off before the equivalent point of the apex we've seen hamilton aggressively side by side on the exit of turns when have we seen hamilton straight line it into an a corner entry like that what austin where he basically refused to turn into the first corner that was on the exit again uh yeah you do it on the entry to Mm. then push them out on the exit. yeah but that's the difference hamilton and austin made the entry made the corner and then went wide on the exit of the corner. Matt, am I reading that wrong? No, no. Uh, traditionally, that is a move that you, that is acceptable entirely if you're on the exit of a turn, if you're on the inside. Yeah. But usually the person on the inside dictates where the apex of the turn actually is. And where you run into trouble, I think, with this analysis, with, with people talking about it, is that Hamilton really had run out of real estate to make the turn and stay four wheels on. And and you could argue about, I think, the depth of his turn, which now we're talking like Felipe Massa just like coming over yeah. and crunching people. <laughs> you could argue maybe a bit about how deeply he turned. But here's the thing, and I think this is what, what's causing the issue, is their teammates. Yeah. Rosberg had to if you're going from a classic team point of view, you could you could argue Rosberg had to have been a slightly more courteous entering the turn. I think that's a reasonable point to make. Ryan, well, some things I've heard was uh, supposedly Hamilton said when he turned into the corner, Rosberg was in his blind spot, and so what I sort of read was the fact that 
uh, Hamilton went to turn into the corner and Rosberg was like, oh, I didn't expect him to do that. I wanted to, I was trying to plan to push him out, out wide. Yeah, yeah. And so Rosberg turned in sharper than he wanted to and the car just went, no, I'm not doing this. And then pretty much just understeered straight into Hamilton. That's how I read it. Now, there you is... would have to say that Lewis was not expecting Nico to have... To, to still be going in a straight line when he turned into that corner. He was expecting him to turn right at that point. Okay, so there's a bit of an issue, which is that on the straights, there is definite rules of what you can and cannot do. You must leave a space uh, before the braking zone if any part of the car is alongside. Now, there's no strict rules in the corners, but there is sort of a, a common wisdom, if you like, a convention, which I think has been enforced reasonably correctly. Now, would we all agree that Lewis being ahead, he was ahead. Let's see some nods. He was ahead. No. He, yeah, uh, was, uh, Chris, are you going to tell me Lewis Hamilton wasn't ahead going into that corner? Because no, that is plainly you know, wrong. Was, he was marginally ahead, but it was still right. Rosberg's corner. No, no, no. That's not what I asked Lewis, you. I said, was he ahead? But I don't think he that entitles him to space because he hasn't got his full car. Right, no, well, that, that is Chris. He's alongside him. Well, the stewards disagree with you. And I think the common wisdom is, if you are side pod to side pod, or you're ahead, as he was ahead, then common convention is that you have to then give him racing room, a car's width on the outside of the turn, which is the exact wording of the steward's verdict. That's Rosberg's corner, though. He's got the line. Is bit, but he, right, so you're you're denying that he needs. He, you're saying he doesn't need to leave Hamilton racing room. The stewards just got it wrong. I, I, th- I think he's perfectly entitled to squeeze him. Yeah. So is he entitled to go all the way to the edge of the track and force Lewis to just drive off the track? No, that was a Schumacher Barrichello ruling. Yeah, that's on a straight. That's not in a corner. But but you have to leave room. But it's not. It shouldn't be the FIA. I mean, it's a team thing ultimately. But what I think Chris is absolutely right about is you have two people with entirely different sets of expectations. You have Rosberg expecting Lewis to yield to him because it's the inside. Therefore, it's his right to set the apex, no matter where he puts it. And you have Lewis, who is A, ahead, and B, next to a teammate, saying, all right, I've gone as far to the outside as I can go. I now have to turn to make this corner. And, and this, I think this is where the conclusion yeah. comes from. But what you're all not talking about is the mechanical state of Rosberg's car at okay. that point. I, I will and get his to that. Tires. Matt, before we get onto that, I think it's important to say that Lewis Hamilton, here's my bias coming through, could not have left it any later. To, to, you can't turn those cars 90 degrees. You can't skid. He left it as late as he could to make that corner. And in my opinion, and the opinion of the stewards, in that situation, you need to leave racing room on the outside. So Lewis has done everything he possibly can to make sure he's got space. And I don't think, given that Rosberg has not, it's not a wheel-to-wheel bash. It's not a wheel-to-side pod bash. He's put his front wing into the side pod. So the angle of attack tells me that he was going off the track. This was not a case of he was side by side and decided not to leave him racing room. He just full on hit the guy. I well, wouldn't agree with was, that. Go for it, Chris. Was, uh, go for it. All right, go ahead. Chris. The thing, uh, what, what I want to say about Rosberg and the oh, fact man. that he had the brake issue, I think that, you know, having the brake issue, he shouldn't have been penalised. Really, because he'd only just encountered that issue. It was on that final lap. He said that, that he, he had had it on three occasions. He had had that same issue with his brakes, and he knew he had it. 
Okay, yeah, he knows it, but it's not like he knows every time where to break, you know? And, yeah, even if he does know what he's doing, he's still perfectly entitled to do it. And you... I, I don't, it wasn't really front wing to, to side point. It was kind it, of front wasn't. wing to front wheel. I've got it my was, own actual opinion. Do you not think it's reckless, any of you? You had this intermittent issue for him to carry on out there and then risk ruining somebody else's race and taking him out. That in itself is pretty reckless. No, you, just, you gotta, that's what I think. You've got to try and limp home. He's, in the, he's not just going to throw away 25 points because he may or... May not. Well, it is, and it's down to, you know. No, we're not saying no, he should retire. No, I, I get it. Oh, yeah. I get it. But that being said, he knew he had this intermittent fault that this could happen. So, yeah, I'm not suggesting he pull into the pit, but he at least should say, yeah, I yeah. knew that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's fought very aggressively with someone he knows is probably the best late breaker in it's, F1 it's the, with a dodgy break the, issue. Uh, Ryan, if Ryan. He's, if he's going to lean on a technical issue, then he should at least say, yeah, I knew I had that issue. So maybe it's a bit my fault anyway. Ryan. Well, I think one main thing is which he has mentioned in sort of like his personal blog was the fact that uh, he sort of was very annoyed the fact that he led most of the race and then sort of like to be mugged on the last lap. I think he, I think one major thing was frustration, and I think he saw it was sort of a rush to the head, and that's why that happened. He wasn't thinking straight because he was like frustrated about what was going on. Probably, on. you know, is trying to do is to just assert his position against Lewis because we we've said this so many times that when Lewis you know gives Nico a, a, a bit of a shove he's you know he's asserting himself against um Nico and Nico's trying to do the same thing trying and Lewis is, is yeah Lewis is having none of it <laughs> you, you make it that's the key point though trying basically what's happened is that Rosberg has a special set of skills he will find you he will drive technically and he will master consistency. We, we discussed this beginning. That, that, that's a terrible accent. It's perfect. But Just so, tell people who it is and talk it, normally. It's Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Is it Alan McNish? What? No. You shut up, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, that's a sick bird. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten my point now. But yeah, so Rosberg now, he's not fighting the way Nico Rosberg wants to fight. He is fighting the way Lewis Hamilton wants to fight, down and dirty, in the weeds on the council estates of Stevenage. This ain't the pretty streets of Monaco. You should have fought him on your home ground. He's been dragged down, and I don't think he's going to win that fist fight with Lewis Hamilton. What's the chat room saying? Uh, yeah, it's been going off from a little bit further ago. I thought I said, uh, Spanners, the undercut was never going to work. He was almost two seconds when he pitted, and the fact that he brought Nico in the lap after, he was never going to make up the time on tyres that were half a second slower than Nico's super softs. Uh, MG5904. Didn't really have much more track real estate left before having to turn in, did he, though, really? I don't think there was there was much, no. And, and you're right, I think you're right. Louis, uh, Nico is not under any obligation to follow the racing line. And there's another dude in there that's coming under anonymous, blatantly trolling, just not going to entertain it. Good, good. Matt? So first of all, Chris, you should know that the lack of intellectual skills under that kind of pressure is generally called the red mist. And it always descends yeah. for some reason. <laughs> it never rises. It always descends. Uh, and uh, I think anyone who's ever played Xbox or PlayStation recognizes that moment. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. I'm the thing. At the end of it, though, I, I think they should have put it down to a racing incident. It's the last lap. They're both going for the lead. I'm horrified that I agree with you entirely on this, but what we're not talking about, number one, is his break by wire failure. We talked about that, you crazy old man. No, we did not. Oh. 
because Force India suffered it and so did Massa. Ooh, they all had brake issues. And that's kind of a big thing. I think it's a bigger thing than's really being talked about. I don't think it's been put together is yet. Is it more appropriate but, on a tech time or for here? Well, it, it ties into the story because remember... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Osberg started off in traffic. And the other thing that matters is that they put him on the super soft tires oh, because yeah. he had no softs left. And those tires would have been asked to do more work for longer, especially with the damage to Rosberg's car, which nobody is also talking about. But he did lose arrow off of his car. Uh, it was from the tire delamination of uh, Vettel's car because he was right behind Vettel's oh, car. And that actually ripped it off. Everything oh. just came straight at him. And for a portion of the race, he actually had carcass of Vettel's car actually stuck I... in it. Okay, I, I saw I saw the carcass of the target stuck in the um, in the floor. I didn't know it, it completely took out his barge board, though. That's interesting. Okay, guys. So we don't want to make too much of a of a crash that was a crash. I think the person who was in the wrong suffered the most. Possibly the penalty was a bit severe. We've got a message from. Just talk about um, the fact that um, Nico was also, in a way, penalised for um, not pulling over to the side of the track with a damaged car. Uh, no, he gave wasn't. Kimmy a lot of shtick. He wasn't penalised. Not doing that in. He wasn't penalised. Uh, okay, well, he was under investigation for it. Yeah. Because we gave Kimmy a lot of shtick for it, um, for not doing it in Monaco. But do we think, you know, last lap, he should have just been able to limp home? I think he should have been able to limp home 
But I think that it's really on the team to make that call because the driver can't see up under the car like that. And they're not allowed to tell him anymore. (laughs) And that brings up a very interesting point, which I had put further down in our show notes, which is after the race, you had Toto Wolf out there whining about not being able to talk to Rosberg about his brake issues. But correct me if I'm wrong. Did we not hear a call to senior Hamilton about suspension loading on the curbs in T9 being dangerous? Yes, yes. Yeah. So 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 why is Toto telling Porky Pies after the race before they go visit the stewards? I would like to know. I think uh, Toto had lost his mind a little bit. He slammed the console down and I, I felt the world shake when he did that and he needed to take a breath and i think in one of the interviews he was actually saying yes we need to get to the chopper and then take a breath and not say anything rash then he said a load of things that were rash here's what catman f1 writer for f1 fanatic has to say hi spanners sorry i can't be with you guys tonight but i had a couple of really burning questions and points to put to the panel this evening my first one is Hamilton was on the outside and he said he turned in saying that he couldn't see Rosberg in his blind spot. Now, I know these cars are really hard to see out of, but these guys are used to fighting millimetres apart. They get their noses and wings so close to each other, millimetres away when they can't see them. So I'm not entirely sure I buy that argument. Don't know what you guys think. My second thing is that Hamilton came very aggressively back onto the track and just like Raikkonen a couple of years ago, he was a bit careless doing that and Rosberg was right there and had every right to be there. So to be honest, Rosberg was mainly at fault for this incident, but Hamilton was no saint and had his part to play as well. Have fun arguing that one, guys. So I think we already covered the first one. I don't particularly buy the blind spot thing, but he's got to say some reason why he eventually chose to turn in and he's covered his bases. Uh, for, for getting back on the track, though, I do I do think he was in the wrong here because he, he had red mist. However cool he was being after the race, he had red mist getting back onto the track. And you cannot say, well, he was justified. It was Rosberg's fault. That's why he ended up there. You've got to treat that as a completely separate incident. And in that case... He was getting back onto the track unsafely and it's his responsibility to join the track and Rosberg has no responsibility whatsoever to make room for him to do so. Except for their teammates. Well, yeah, but are they? (laughs) See, they are though. See, they work for the same employer. They're teammates. They have to cooperate to a certain extent and I would argue that 75% of the racing incidents, like the things like this that we see, happen when driver A expects driver B to do something and driver B expects driver A to do the opposite. Because a lot of what we see them doing happens faster than human reaction time actually is. You can only do it if if both people cooperate. Right. Yeah. Like, like if you expect the driver to do this and you do this, then it works. And when you see these wheel to wheel duels between like Alonzo and Button had a lot of great ones before he switched team. You see these this amazing driving. These drivers are right at the limit, but they are cooperating with each other. Yeah, they're not going to cooperate. Christian Horner described them as mercenaries. And I think that does set the tone. Yes, the team's. And the mechanics are all in a team. The drivers are not in a team. Let's dream on. Let's give the final word to the chat room, Tony. 
Uh, yeah, the cart is. How can the penalty be harsh? Ten seconds added made no difference at all. Yeah, no, that's true. The ten, it didn't make any, but I think it's a slap on the wrist. It, yep. The moral implication was there. And the cartist again, uh, to be fair to Rosberg on not pulling over, over I'd have never retired my car if it was still moving at all. Uh, yep, yeah, that's the sort of point that Chris was saying. That's not what my point was. Yeah, fair enough if he's going to try and limp it in. But then if because of that a contributor to taking someone else out, maybe hold your hands up and say, yeah, I knew about this issue. Uh, if that was mid-race, he would have been able to get back to the pits to change his nose. Uh, reprimand seems unnecessary. And that's it. That's a bit sort of civilised, to be honest. I was expecting... It, it's calmed down significantly. Excellent, excellent. Is it busy, busy in there tonight? <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Welcome back. Now, fantastic. We really appreciate it. If you guys listening on the podcast would like to join in with the chat room, you go to spannersready.com, you find the live stream tab, and you can listen in on the full glory of the apparently pro-Hamilton show. Well, Chris Stevens has put the kibosh on that, hasn't he? With his uh, treacherous anti-Hamilton rhetoric today. Whose side are you on? Come on. I am impartial as always. You know this about me. Absolute rub. I wonder what this button does. Three, two, one. This is the E-Radio Show on Downforce. You can catch the E-Radio Show live stream tomorrow at 8.30, where we will be reviewing the last two rounds of the E-Pre-Season at Battersea Park. Guys, if you want to support the show, and why wouldn't you? You can support us on Patreon by going to spannersready.com, click the Support Us tab, and click the Missed Apex Patreon tab. A micropayment of $1 a month is what we seek from you wonderful people to keep the lights on in the podcasting shed. We move on to any other business. Fantastic drive by Pascal Wehrlein. Did anybody else cheer when Perez went off when they realised it bumped the manor into the points? Once we knew Perez was okay, of course. I don't don't know about uh, cheering for Perez, but it's fantastic for Pascal. And um, again, you know, very much on merit. The car was working pretty well. He well and truly outclassed Rio Harianto. And um, yeah, Manor's first point since Monaco 2014 is phenomenal. They were on split strategy. Were well, he well and truly, well, he well and truly outclassed him in qualifying, as well. But, yeah, well, that was, that was just that was bad timing with a safety car, but okay. Safety car in qualifying, the flag. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's it, it's big in terms of the championship, isn't it? Because it puts them ahead of Sauber, and that's worth millions of euros to them. Yeah, it is actually kind of very important with 11 teams in 10 spots, isn't it? Yeah, it's just still the rule where they only pay the top 10 in the standings. Yeah, so Sauber better get that new investment in. Yeah, it's good news they have outside investment because <laughs> otherwise, yeah. ouch, owie. Especially with yeah. uh, Felipe apparently going walkies with his uh, with his wallet next year. Well, can you blame him? P7, although that was only because he hadn't changed his tires yet. And it's just, just amazing the fact that they've all, all of a sudden, obviously been watching Formula E's race school videos on YouTube. It's been fantastic watching them going wheel to wheel together. Yeah, no, it's been really good. And and for Wehrlein, we have to mention that, that he, at one point he was dead last. Yes. Safety car, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, he's dead last and worked his way all the way back up. So, so good on them for their strategy as well, because it really worked to his advantage long term. Did a did a Jensen in Canada, twenty eleven, sort of. Yes, which 
was the last time, by the way, for those of you who believe in team orders, that we saw a last lap pass 2011 for the win. Has it been that long? It has been that freaking long. Five years. Where does it all go? Yes, indeed. And they wonder why nobody watches anymore. (laughs) Ryan, a a good day for another Brit on on the grid, Jensen Button. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was um, it was a good good drive considering uh, the likes of uh, Alonso and uh, Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg sort of just plummeted, sort of like went off the face of the earth almost uh, during that race. Um, uh, I just found it quite funny the fact that uh, Hulkenberg and Alonso. It was almost like Hulkenberg had gone. Yeah, I was meant to do good in this race, but yeah, sort of not gone well. Shall we retire the car and make it out something went wrong? And <laughs> He started going on about vibrations, didn't he? Yeah, and then it was also yeah. uh, Alonso. I think it was like, um, my teammate is absolutely thrashing me here. Shall we retire the car and make it out something <laughs> went wrong? Hang on a minute, isn't that, isn't that like the third race in a row that Alonso what? was asked to do that? Yeah, well, I no, think it, so. He did have a battery issue. Yes, and it's always okay. some sort of technical issue that allows him to get to the pits before Matt gets in. I did predict this in my gambling preview of the race. I said, bet on one McLaren to not be classified. I think that's a sure bet for the rest of the season. Matt. So, Ryan, do you know why Hulkenberg retired? No, apart from I uh, heard about the whole thing that you're saying, yeah, the vibrations are awful in the car and all that sort of stuff. Break issues. The- do you know why Break Perez issues. crashed? Do you know why Massa retired? Break issues. It was nothing to do with the fact that uh, supposedly he had structural issues with the car. That's why it started from the pit lane. Nope, it was brake issues. That's why they were all out of the race. Just saying. Okay, boys, we're running out of time, so let's move on to the podium. Yes, there was uh, booing again. Uh, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but apparently the trackside commentators said that it was Hamilton's fault and the Austrian fans responded. I will say uh, there's some worrying things going on in Austria right now. I hope they, those two things are not related. Matt? Uh, I was going to say, are they not about to elect their version of Donald Trump in the second election they're having? I think they make Donald Trump look like a bleeding heart liberal but why not? I, to be fair, Lewis made some comments that some people were saying were throwaway, were disrespectful, were tactless. It seemed to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, that he got asked a sort of on-the-spot question kind of designed to draw out a comment. You know, what do you think about the booing? He said, it's not my problem, it's their problem. Well, you know what's interesting is that I, one of the interviewers that was on while I was finishing up my race review went over and asked a group of fans if the commentators had said bad things about Lewis, and they all said no. Yeah, so that, I, yeah. I actually, yeah. I actually left that out of my review because it seemed like to me that it was dubious that that was what had actually been said. But I didn't listen to the commentary at the racetrack, so I don't really know what happened. But booing happens. I think booing is okay. You know, I booed umpires and players and people I thought were bad sports or I was unhappy with. That's what you that's what you pay your money to be able to do. These people are on stage. You are allowed to express your opinion of them. That's the way the game gets played. Yeah, I agree. I I thought I thought Lewis dealt with it graciously and appropriately and, and life goes on. Okay, then, chat room, I want you to get ready with your thing of the weekend, who missed the apex, daddy, I want a pony, and comment of the week. No, that's just your job, Tony. The thing of the weekend, Chris Stevens. Uh, Jensen Button. 
He's a good I thing, isn't he? Yeah, good to he, see him well, happy I've for once. Never seen a McLaren Honda uh, look so competitive uh, in the last 15 years. Great. Ryan, who's your thing of the week? Um, well, I was going to go uh, Button, but obviously I'm going to have to pick Bert Verline now. Pascal Verline, yeah. I think it's hard to look beyond Pascal Verline. Uh, Max Verstappen got, I think, got the official FIA driver of the weekend. I think, you know, I think for Pascal to put it up there in 10th, their first point in two years, I think that's a good shout. Matt Trumpets, put down your gin and tell me your thing of the weekend. Don't say gin. Oh, I, I won't, I won't, I won't say gin, but yeah, it is pretty good. No, I don't know. The thing of the weekend is, is, is kind of tricky because there were a lot of excellent things this particular weekend. The race itself might have to be the winner. If I had to pick a person, that might be, again, yeah. Carlos Signs. Carlos Signs. 15th to 8th. 15th to 8th. Almost unnoticed. Again, doing a nice job with that car. There's some impressive young talent coming through F1, and Carlos Signs is is definitely, definitely one of them. Heard he secured a contract for next year at Toro Rosso. So it'll be Toro, uh, Toro, Toro Rosso. It'll be Carlos Signs plus one. Tony, who's your personal thing of the week? Tell me it's the podcasting shed. No, it's... Oh. it's that bull statue is all right, isn't it? It's bang on, isn't it? Bull statue? Where? In the middle of the track, you lunatic. Oh, right. The, yeah, because it's the Red Bull ring. So yeah. that's your thing of the weekend? Yeah, it's mint. Excellent. Does the chat room got a thing of the weekend? No, it doesn't matter. They all say bull. The bull. The bull. They all say the bull. Uh, who missed the apex? <laughs> so who missed the apex for you, Chris Stevens? Uh, Nico Rosberg, quite literally. Quite literally missed the apex. He would have missed seven apexes put together, I think, uh, on that occasion. Yeah. You were just defending him. How can you give him the badness award? No, I I just wanted to make that joke. Um, oh. uh, I'd say... <laughs> it landed. Uh, for, for, for Ferrari don't, strategists, don't, again, you, can I live that one? <laughs> mother... <laughs> Running it close! Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> So he's stolen your bad thing of the weekend. In that case, I will go to, yeah, Ferrari strategists. Like I said, something is inherently wrong at Ferrari with the way they approach race weekends. Can't put my finger on it, and Sebastian Vettel is showing the patience of a saint, but there's just something not quite clicking. They, do you know what they need? They need the strategist from a smaller team that they realised is good, who is on suspiciously uh, absent gardening leave that may or may not go back to Marinello. What do you think, Matt? I think that sounds like exactly the kind of person they need on their pet wall. Okay, don't as mention any as, Ruths. Don't mention any Ruths. As soon, uh, as, 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 I think they need to be I, <laughs> ruthless. They need to, well, they need to not be ruthless and have the are now ruthless. They are ruthless. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Ryan, who missed the apex? Well, uh, it's a hard one. I guess I'm going to say Nico Hulkenberg. I know Matt's going to say, "Oh yeah, he's had all these he's had all these problems," but you know, he had such high expectations when he got a uh, second on the grid and then he sort of just yeah, shot backwards. Okay, so I'm going to go for Sebastian Vettel's left rear tie, Tony. Have I stolen <sighs> yours? No. Again, you have done this to me. <laughs> Don't worry. You <laughs> Small person, you. You small person. That is heightest. You are a heightest. <laughs> I'm not going to steal yours. It's that bull statue, isn't it? It's, so the, it's distracting. People forget to turn. They're looking at it. You've given them the crush into people. Oh my god! You've it's given just, the bull. You're going to give the bull comment of the week as well, aren't you? No, no. We got another one for that. Matt, who missed the apex for you? Well, jeez, man. <laughs> uh, I'd have to did say. Did I steal yours? Did I? 
I'd have to say the brake-by-wire systems that may or may not all be connected to the Mercedes engines. Because, boy, yeah, yeah, did yeah. a lot of people have trouble with them this weekend. That's true. Next award is... Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Go on, Matt. Have a do-over. Say what you're going to say. Uh, no, that's okay. I can give the I, I, I want a pony award to Toto Wolf and the entire Mercedes team. They kind of lost it a little bit, didn't they, to start with? Because they want to reap the marketing rewards of letting their drivers race without any of the attendant hazards and or dangers. As I like to put it, they want their cake and they want to eat it also. It's a good point. And, and they made a big deal about them racing. And worst of all, I, I don't remember what, how long has it been? I mean, we had Spain. Spain was the first episode in how many races? 30, 70, I don't know, a lot of races between the two of them since Spa, right? 2014? Well, contact. So now they've had another one. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat down and flipped a penny or, or whatever the hell you have over there over and over again and recorded mm. heads and tails. You got penny from us. What are you I, on about? Yeah, okay, so fine. <laughs> so you've done it then. Like how many times, if you flip a penny, how many times in a row do you get heads? So they've gone, what, 30, 40 odd races and they've had two incidents and suddenly everything has to change. The man has no understanding of probability and statistics whatsoever. I'm just saying they're overreacting rather mildly. I do genuinely like Toto Wolf, though, in general, as a oh, team he, principal. He, I think he's great. He, because he sounds like the Terminator. Give it up. How how, how can you go wrong with that? <laughs> uh, so uh, my uh, Daddy I Want a Pony Award, though, the real one, the only the one I do is legit and counts, uh, goes to Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, we must tell them to get the blue flags and get them out of the way. And they were like, yes, the blue flags have been issued, Kumi. And he was like, no, they haven't. They haven't been issued. I didn't see them. <laughs> and he had a proper party. So you get that. All right, boys, what does that leave? That leaves us with, oh my goodness, I nearly forget this every week. We've remembered it before the end of the show. Comment of the week. It's comment of the week, T. Hi, guys, I'm back. This is comment of the week with me, Thunder Beast. Uh, this you week's totally. comment of the week comes from the Cartist. If Button is meant to be so good at driving with low grip, I'm, I, don't know what, I, I don't know what he sounds like. This could be it. I bet he's Australian. If Button is meant to... No. If Bond is meant to be so good at driving with low grip, why does he always complain so much about never having enough grip? And that was your... Oh, yeah, I meant to press it again. Comment of the week. Chris Stevens, you write a variety of things for... FormulaSpy.com No, you can't All of that. your latest Formula One and Formula E news. Yeah, I have to say, he didn't pull that off no. well. And you have a stupid Twitter uh, handle with an underscore, I believe? Yeah, yeah, it's C. Stevens underscore Jono, because uh, Chris Stevens was already taken. Yeah, so. but an underscore, that is the worst. That shows a massive lack of imagination. Don't you have an underscore in yours? No, no. of course not. Do I look like a complete weirdo? Ryan Ferret Ferris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at ferret115. That is ferret it instead of... E.T. <laughs> and don't be fooled by his laid-back demeanour. When he is commentating at Castle Coombe, he is practically Murray Walker incarnate. But he's too young to remember that Murray Walker was often awful at actually commentating. <laughs> Matt Trumpets! <laughs> yes, you can find me on the Twitters at MattPT55 and at TheJudge13.com where I write my 
race and quality reviews in my own particular style. I love them. Tony, say your Twitter thing. My Twitter thing is... I can't remember it now. Oh, yeah. At Thunderbeast99. Pressure's on. Is that the only place you do stuff? Uh, find me on DadHub on Facebook or our new community, DadHub Community. It's private just for dads. And DadHub Podcast. But this has been Missed Apex, Wounds Heal, Chicks Dig Scars, and Glory Last Forever. See you next time. Oh my gosh, with the extra body heat of the Thunder Beast, it is so hot in here. What can I say? I run hot. He runs hot. You're like Universal Soldier. You're going to sit in a bathtub of ice. Yeah. Just as handsome as Jean-Claude Van Damme in his prime as well. More handsome. Not wrinkly Jean-Claude Van Damme from Untouchables. No, not Untouchables. But you're I'd not take, I'd take wrinkly.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.